Have you been to the children's bookshop recently (laughs) or to the library? A quick flick through some of the more recent titles have shocked me. Topics and subjects that would 50, maybe even 20 years ago have been completely unacceptable are now readily available for our children to read. They normalise things and, and topics that go against the teachings of our religion. And so as parents, as homeschoolers, the question then becomes, how do we discern what is and what is not acceptable for a Muslim child to be reading? What makes a book un-Islamic? This is episode number 74 of the Raising Mums podcast. Welcome to Raising Mums, a live weekly broadcast streaming on Facebook and Instagram that inspires mums to live with purpose and intention, to raise their children mindfully and empowers mothers everywhere to own their lives and thrive doing it. You want your children to read really good books, books that are going to enrich their lives, that they're going to learn things from, then that they're going to enjoy as well. But I know you also want them to read books that are not going to teach them things that are against their religion, against the principles that we hold dear. You want to make sure that they're safe and appropriate for a Muslim child to be reading. Recently, inside Launch Your Homeschool, which is my online homeschooling course, we had the honour, the blessing to welcome Mehdet Mariam Sinclair into our community to give us a masterclass about storytelling. For those of you who are not familiar with Ostada, she is a student of sacred knowledge in Istanbul at the moment, and she is an award-winning author of children's books, a storyteller and a performing artist. So it was a real joy to welcome her into our community. And she gave us a class about how storytelling can be used to teach children. And she talked about our heritage with storytelling, as as well as teaching us a bit about narration. And as that masterclass came to an end, as is always the case with the best of teachers, there were a lot of questions. The mums wanted more. They wanted to know more from Ostada. One of the questions that came in was about books, choosing books for Muslim kids. One of the mums wanted to know what makes a book un-Islamic. Now, because of time constraints, unfortunately, Ustada was unable to fully answer that question. And so when we'd wrapped everything up, she reached out to me and and offered to record something to answer that question for that mum. And then after I heard her response, I thought it was too beautiful to just keep to ourselves. And I asked her if it would be okay to share it with you all here on the podcast. And she very generously agreed. So what you're about to hear now is her response to the question, what makes a book un-Islamic? And this is such a blessing. Honestly, in all the years I've been working in the Muslim homeschooling space, I've never come across anyone who really understands both worlds, the the worlds of sacred knowledge and deen, as well as someone who has a very good understanding of English literature. And she brings both those worlds together in this beautiful response. 
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Alhamdulillah, I really enjoyed our session the other night. And because I uh, gave, I thought, some incomplete answers to some of the beautiful questions that were asked, Gemma has graciously um, agreed to post this addendum. So I wanted to just start out by saying that, um, you know, it, it's often said that history repeats itself. And it's true, it does. But it seems to me that there are lots of unprecedented aspects to the lives that we are listening today, living, I'm sorry, living today. And one of those is, um, it has to do with survival. Many, if not most of the people found on this planet now live in poverty. And there are massive populations who don't live in poverty and who have never known want in all their lives and have never tasted the possibility of not being able to survive without hard work. Um, so I'm proposing that people in this category have a peculiar relationship to life because they seem quite oblivious to the reality that some things that humans do promote life and other things that humans do destroy life. And there's a need to distinguish and choose. And that is being lost, it seems to me. So in the past, most people had to work really hard to live and, and most of what counted as, quote, entertainment came to them as a break from work and came as shared oral narrations and very occasional books. In those days, literature, both the shared oral literature and more in independent written literature had a clear reason for existing which was in line with survival, personal competency, integrity, religious identity, moral health. And likewise in these works, there was always a clear distinction between physical reality and imaginary reality. Now, if a story has in it imaginary reality, that isn't a problem in and of itself, but the problem arises when the boundaries between the real physical reality and the imaginary reality are erased, okay? And that's what we find happening today. And in one of the, the, the clearest examples is, is in the Harry Potter series, for example. Um, in, in those earlier times, it was uncommon to find works that obliterated that division. Also, between good and evil. Good was good, and evil was evil, and there, wasn't, there was a boundary between them. And there was a difference between them. So that, was, that, that could be found in works of literature that was very clear. And so... The, 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 the kinds of things, the kinds of erasure that we're seeing these days between the difference between good and evil and between the difference between physical and imaginary realities um, is, is a really, it's, it's a really significant problem, actually. It seems to me that in the earlier times, people had a clearer understanding of the threat of annihilation. And they were willing, it seems, to attend more to self-preservation rather than flaunt their rebelliousness. It seems to me that people 
you know, don't really have a sense of the possibility that uh, they might not exist. You know, something might happen to them. So at that, you know, at an earlier time, stories had universal appeal. Why? Because stories have always carried messages and examples of survival and of moral victory. And those things were presented in a way that preserved fitra, preserved the inherent good in things rather than attempting to erase it. But today, on the other hand, we have piles upon piles of works where the distinction between depravity and morality doesn't exist. And also it's never really clear whether a a particular aspect or event of a story is part of a physical reality with its obvious logic and authority or imaginary reality with its peculiar but irrevocable subservience to physical reality. And so why does this matter? Well, when these things break down, then we see the kind of things we see around us today. For instance, a man uh, might decide he's female and do a sex change operation and apply eye makeup and grow his hair and dress the part. But all of that will never change the fact that 50 years from now, when he's dug up out of his grave, his bones will still be measurably, demonstrably male. And so what does all this have to do with parents looking for how to educate their kids or with parents asking the question, what's good to read to them? What's good for them to hear? What's good for them to read? We have to be aware, first of all, that the publishing industry of today is not our friend, nor is it our kids' friend. And it's clear that this is an industry that's dedicated, like so many other industries on the planet today, to making major efforts to flood the world with toxic products. So all I can say is investigate carefully and thoroughly before you select books for your kids. And so this brings us to one of the questions which was in the session about what makes a book un-Islamic, which is an excellent question. And it's a huge topic, so I can just touch on it very briefly. Uh, but I have a little bit more to say than I had the other night. I would say that among the most important are the two issues that we just pointed out, you know, just right now about the difference between good and evil and the difference between um, real and fantasy. But beyond that are things that go against anything that goes against the domestic protections that Muslims have always preferred to live with, like honoring your parents and siblings and, um, you know, uh, all the, the different points of adab that make people um, uh, live in compassion and connection with each other. And obviously um, uh, avoiding any obvious expressions of shirk and um, uh, avoiding stories that are, that are totally tied up with magic and that the moral of the story is totally tied up with mag- magic. Uh, it's 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 important that we just you know give those a miss. There's plenty of other really good things that that they that they need to see and will benefit from. I don't agree that Muslim children should nev- never hear fiction or fantasy stories. I really really want to emphasize that 
um, as long as it's clear to the child that a particular story is made up and not real, then it still can carry a great benefit in 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 the in the in in moral education and um, in in lots of other ways. But that distinction has to be there. Um, I, I do want to point out that there are some collections of uh, quote Islamic stories that are a bit problematic because, for instance, you might find an old Turkish story about Nasruddin Hoca, and it might come right after a narration on the life of Isa salam, without making any mention that one is a story, meaning it's fiction, and one is, or absolutely must be, a true, verifiable account. And so there's a, there's a, those are different things, and they need to be made clear. Actually, most folk tales and fairy tales have moral truths that are paramount. And this makes them of great benefit, even though they are fictional, and even though they don't contain obvious Islamic themes and motifs. Um, and often, you know, a story uh, that comes from outside of our tradition can become an occasion for family discussions about why we as Muslims are different from the dominant majority. And they can be of tremendous benefit because of that. Wasn't that phenomenal? So much good stuff to take away from there. So many things to think about. If you want to connect with Ostada Method, Mariam Sinclair, and introduce your children to all the beautiful books that she has written and narrated, her website is storiesoflight.com. I'll leave the link for that in the show notes. We've recently been listening to her audio series for Ramadan, which is called A Month with the Best of Creation. It is beautiful. It is so inspiring, so well told, so well produced. I can't recommend her audiobooks enough. And if you want to join us next time round in Launch Your Homeschool, the doors will be opening in July. And I hope that if you are considering homeschooling, or are in the first few years of homeschooling and would like more support, you will consider joining us in July. I will put a link in the show notes of where you can sign up to put your name on the waiting list so you don't miss out on when enrollment opens and we have those early bird bonuses. And finally, before we wrap up, I want to remind you that we do have a book list on our website that is for children up to the age of five years old, the best books for Muslim children, the books that you really don't want them to miss out on and books that are suitable for the Muslim child. So go ahead over to our muslimhomeschool.com forward slash book list and you can get your free book list there for children ages zero to five. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this episode today. It was something a little bit different, but it was so valuable and I feel blessed that I'm able to share it with you here today. Thank you for joining me. Have a beautiful week and a beautiful Ramadan. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>